0: And welcome to Cecil Radio, Episode 6, a chance to talk through all kinds of topics about Cecil. I'm Susan Weber, 26-year banker, first wave Cecil adopter, now helping others through the process. And with me today is David Stone. Hi, David.
1: Hey, Susan.
0: So good to have you here. This is your second appearance on Cecil Radio, David, and I'm really happy to have you back.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be back myself and honored to be invited back a second time. <laughs> I, I must have done something right that first time.
0: Absolutely did. And just in case people are finding us for the first time, David, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so I'm a manager uh, in the financial services practice group here at Barry Dunn. have been with the firm uh, right out of college for about six years now and am located in our Portland, Maine headquarters.
0: Excellent, excellent. And the last time that you were here, one of our little fun facts that we learned about you is that uh, you still help on the family farm and you were looking at uh, a season of haying. How fun was that in this last stretch of heat, David?
1: (laughs) Wow, good good memory, Susan. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been a hot summer, so I, I I don't know what's going to be more fun—the the haying or, or talking about uh Cecil and and the upcoming changes today.
0: Uh, definitely Cecil. It has to be if it for me anyway. <laughs> if it has to be between those two, it's definitely going to be Cecil. So as I've said, I have been really excited to have you back on the program. There is buzz that TDR accounting and disclosures are being eliminated when banks adopt Cecil. Is this true?
1: You are correct, Susan. So um, there is an ASU issued uh, actually right at the end of March, ASU number 2022-02. Um, and it el- eliminates TDR accounting and disclosure requirements as we know it. And um, it- it's effective. So if-, if you've already adopted CECL, you can adopt this ASU really at any time. Um, However, if you're a 2023 adopter, you will also need to adopt this ASU at the same time. Um, And you know, thinking on the accounting side of this ASU, loan modifications are now going to be evaluated under current accounting standards. And what this means is that finance teams will need to evaluate if the loan modification results in a modification of an existing contract or the termination of the existing contract with the creation of a new contract.
0: Wow, that is a mouthful. That's a lot of references to contracts. So I got to pause and ask you, why does this matter?
1: (laughs) Good question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so so why does it matter? Um, So... You know, when, when you think about this, under current accounting guidance, if you have to de-recognize this contract, this loan, there could be other items that are attached to the loan, you know, for instance, uh, deferred loan fees and costs that also will need to be derecognized along with that loan. Um, so it could end up having a and l impact. Um, for the institution.
0: Okay, that makes totally good sense. Thank you so much for that clarification. Um, So I have to ask, what about the disclosures? Since TDR disclosures are going away, is there anything that our listeners will need to know about, you know, something that will need to be disclosed in their place?
1: The short answer is yes, there will be. Um, So you're not off the hook that easily. Um, (laughs) TDR disclosures are indeed going away, but um, there are some disclosures that will that will replace those traditional disclosures. So there's a new set of disclosure requirements for loan modifications to debtors experiencing financial difficulty. And the key here is that that last piece: debtors experiencing financial difficulty.
0: Okay, hold on. <laughs> I got to stop you there again, David. So- <laughs> sure. Debtors experiencing financial difficulty, I mean, wasn't that really the whole focus of TDRs? It just sort of feels like the wolf in sheep's clothing here, like we're doing the same thing all over again. So maybe talk a little bit about what's different.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it does sound a bit like TDRs. And, you know, I think the key here is that, um, you know, with TDRs, you may have heard the saying before, once a TDR, always a TDR." And TDRs, by definition, are considered impaired loans. So that's going away with this ASU and the adoption of CECL um, because the whole idea of impaired loans is going away with Cecil and being replaced by individually evaluated loans. And, you know, on the disclosure front, um, the TDR disclosures are, are really being enhanced. So, yeah, you're still looking at those loans that have been modified Um, and you know, are to debtors experiencing financial difficulty, but there's a lot more useful information that's going to be provided, um, on those loan modifications.
0: Okay, so I think I think I have the gist of this now. That essentially we're still looking at, we're still concerned with modifications to borrowers experiencing financial difficulty. But it could be that those loans end up in a pool. It could be that those loans end up being individually evaluated. It doesn't mean they have to be, and um, and the maybe the length and nature of some of the reporting around them, right? This sort of concept of forever a TDR, we, we are less concerned with in the new world. Would that be fair?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a great summary, Susan. And um, where did
0: this all come from?
1: Yeah, so Yeah. So this really came from um the the voluntary disclosures that financial institutions were making in their financial statements during the pandemic. So as we're all aware, you know, many financial institutions worked um, with their borrowers during the pandemic and granted um, many loan modifications, you know, payment deferrals, for instance. Um, And a lot of institutions voluntarily disclosed, um, you know, analytics numbers on these modifications that were made during the pandemic. So that's really the inspiration behind it.
0: So taking all the really good information that banks sort of on their own, took on their own to make about this, putting some structure around it, and then um, relieving kind of that ongoing burden of kind of the once TDR, always a TDR, and where it has to be assessed.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay, great. So my next question is, are there examples of some of these disclosures or, or what can you tell us about, about what we might want to see or, or find in the disclosures?
1: So one key element of the new disclosures is that the ASU essentially creates buckets for different types of loan modifications. And the ASU actually specifically identifies what these buckets are. So they are specifically um, loan modifications that result in principal forgiveness, interest rate reductions other than insignificant payment delays or term extensions. So financial institutions will be required to disclose loan modifications made to, again, you know, debtors experiencing financial difficulty, um, by class of financing receivable for each period for which a statement of income is presented.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna just pause here for a minute. I want to make sure I understand. So when you say these modifications are in the disclosure by class of financing receivable, that's really a technical way of saying by your key segments or pools, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're okay, right, great. Yeah.
0: Awesome.
1: <laughs> um, and so this disclosure is going to be by type of loan modification. Um, And the period end amortized cost basis of the modified loan needs to be disclosed as well as the percentage of modifications to the total period end amortized cost basis of receivables in that class of financing receivable. So, you know, just to provide a real quick example, I know that's a a lot of terminology in there. Um, You know, let's say you have a commercial loan of I don't know, hundred bucks. We'll, we'll keep the numbers small here. Excellent. Um, and and, uh, and it's it's modified. So you have a commercial loan modified uh, that had an amortized cost basis of a hundred dollars. You would have to disclose that amount in your footnotes, as well as the percentage to the total class of commercial loans. So let's say you have you know total uh, amortized cost basis of a thousand dollars. You would then disclose um, that that modification is ten percent of your commercial loan amortized cost basis.
0: Okay, that's great. And, um, and just to clarify too, what modifications, is there a time limit or a time parameter around the modifications that need to be disclosed?
1: Yeah, so these modifications that you're disclosing are only modifications made in that reporting period.
0: Okay, that I think that's really a key point worth repeating. So in other words, unlike the old TDR disclosures, this new one is not cumulative, right? We're not aggregating and constantly adding to you. Banks are only reporting on modifications made in that reporting period.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. That was a lot of really great information, but almost too much for people who may be driving around listening to Cecil Radio, right? Because who doesn't (laughs) want to drive around listening to Cecil Radio? Um, So maybe it helps to just let them know where they can find a good example of the new disclosure.
1: Sure. So actually right in the ASU itself, um, there's a good example of the new disclosure. And it's um, it's in ASC, so accounting standards codification, you know, once this gets codified, uh, 310-10-55-12A. Um, that's the exact reference and provides, you know, um, an example disclosure that can be uh, referred to.
0: That's great. And you've published a brief article about these changes also that includes that reference as well. So, um, you know, David, thank you. I think we'll try to include that uh, that, uh accounting reference as well as the link to your article in the podcast description so anybody listening as they're driving around don't have don't pull over don't have a wreck we'll uh, include that in the podcast description so okay i do have another disclosure question though before we leave that topic what if a loan is modified let's say for example somebody reduced the interest rate and also gave them principal forgiveness would that loan be disclosed in two different buckets
1: Mm, yeah, great question, Susan. Um, the answer is no. Um, so, in this instance, a separate bucket would actually be created for loans that have been both modified via interest rate reduction and principal forgiveness. Um, a loan modification should never be disclosed in more than one bucket.
0: Okay, that is really good to know. Thank you for that clarification. Um, is there anything else? Are there any other disclosure requirements that people should be aware of?
1: Yeah, so there are a few other key requirements that I think are worth mentioning. Um, So one is that, you know, the financial effect of the modification needs to be disclosed. So for instance, you know, for loans that had their interest rate reduced, the disclosures would need to disclose these interest rate reductions. Um, And this doesn't need to be on a loan by loan basis. Uh, It's actually going to be in the aggregate. And okay. the ASU actually specifically calls for a disclosure of the reduction in weighted average interest rates. So you're going to take all those loan mods in the reporting period and calculate, you know, the weighted average interest rate and disclose that reduction in weighted average interest rate in your footnotes.
0: Okay. All right. Excellent. Anything else?
1: Yeah, a few others. So uh, performance of these loans in the 12 months after modification also needs to be disclosed. Um, and, you know, I envision this looking very similar to past due tables that are currently disclosed in financial statements. Um, okay. and, and another thing, you know, similar to current disclosure requirements, there's also required disclosures on loans that were modified and subsequently experienced a default within the 12 months following modification. Okay. And and lastly, one, one more, uh, qualitative information also uh, should be disclosed on how these loan modifications and defaults are factored into the allowance for credit losses.
0: Okay, sounds good, And I, but I do want to just clarify the two points you made about um, performance tracking and subsequent default. I just want to clarify that once the first 12-month window on those modifications has passed, right, the first 12 months, I guess, disclosure window <laughs> since they've passed, the performance and default tracking can stop on those, right?
1: That's correct, yeah, so to provide a you know a brief example um if you had a, a loan that was modified uh i don't know let's say in in may um, you know you would have to if that loan then defaulted six months later, that would be a disclosable event, however, you know, if it went twelve months and then Maybe defaulted the following June or July. And since it's beyond that twelve month period, it, it's it's not necessarily a disclosable event.
0: Excellent. Okay. So, how should financial institutions be preparing for these new disclosures?
1: Yeah. So, you know, financial institutions they've had procedures in place to determine if a loan mod is a troubled debt restructuring, um, but now these pre- procedures are they're going to have to evolve. So. You know, I, I kind of think of it in, in two different um, lenses here. You know, you have your accounting side and then the disclosure side. So on the accounting side, financial institutions will need to have a process in place to determine if a loan modification should be accounted for as a continuance of an existing contract or as a new contract altogether um, with derecognition of that existing contract. Okay. And then on your disclosure side, financial institutions will need to have a process um, or maybe set of parameters to determine if a debtor is experiencing financial difficulty, uh, thus triggering that need for modification disclosure.
0: Wow, that's really great. I, I think, you know, just to kind of as I'm thinking about this conversation today, David, you know, I, I feel as somebody who'd been involved um, directly with a lot of these TDR related assessments, you know, it sounds like there is quite a bit of relief um, that potentially banks could be experiencing uh, that administrative burden of some of these TDRs, uh, maybe there's a simplification uh, that we've learned through the pandemic of of um, maybe leveraging that process and what makes up a, an borrower experiencing financial difficulty, um, maybe there's a way to leverage that and, and make it a little bit more streamlined with this. And certainly the back-end administration of once a TDR, always a TDR, and having to individually impair them, a lot of that um, gets resolved in all of this as well. So uh, a really important and helpful re- uh, recap of what's coming in these changes, David, and I can't thank you enough for for joining us. Uh, I, I'm so happy to have you back, you know, and wanting to talk about all of these things in Cecil.
1: <laughs> yeah, ha- happy to be back, Susan, and um, <clears throat> I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, in my opinion, and, and, you know, I should know that everything in, in this podcast is, you know, just my opinion and, and yours, and, um, you know, there's certainly other other opinions out there, but um, I do think that this ASU is an enhancement to existing disclosure requirements um, and is really going to provide more useful information to users of the financial statements.
0: That's great. Um, So I do want to just let our listeners know to feel free to use our Ask the Advisor function to get answers to any of your questions and maybe on a future podcast. So a reminder to look for David's most recent article on the elimination of TDRs, the link for which should be in the podcast description. And we hope you have a great day, everybody. Thanks for joining.